of mud, hidden now from sight. As you once did for the vacuous realm. Grant us eyes. Grant us eyes. Plant eyes on our brains to cleanse our beastly idiocy. Hi, I'm Kenny. My friend Sally is playing Bloodborne for the very first time, and I'm doing my darndest to coach her through the experience. This series will continue until Sally beats the game, or breaks the controller and quits the game forever. Let's prepare to try. That's a very nice Victorian-esque werewolf hunting game you have there. It would be a shame if something were to happen to it. That's what I imagine from software saying as they designed Bergenworth. I mean, sure, there have been some none-too-subtle hints that there's a bit more than meets the eye when it comes to the beastly scourge and the healing church. But this is the moment in the game where the game takes the mask off and gives you a glimpse of the eldritch truth. At this point, there's no doubt in my mind that Sally is more than capable of beating the game, and that they're enjoying it. But there is still the question of if they'll find the story as compelling as I do. Okay, I feel like I say this every time I get to a new part of the world, but this is really where I feel like the game opens up in a new way. Um, when you kill Rom, you start to see a new part of the world, and it gives you some answers to, uh, or I would say suggest some possible answers to what is happening in the world. It raises a bunch of other ones um, as well, so that's really fun and cool. Just a very cool place to be in the game um, in terms of in terms of lore and kind of getting a sense of what is going on in this world and who made it this way. Hello, welcome back to Prepare to Try, hosted by me, Kenny, and Sally. Hello, Sally. Kenny, hello. Very excited to be here. Very excited to take a break from playing Bloodborne to talk about Bloodborne. So I just finished some Bloodborne literally Ooh. seconds before we started recording. Well, well, well. Did you finish like the game? No. Okay. Um, but I had some work to do to catch up to where you currently are. Okay. And I looked at the clock and I was like, oh, it's... 10 minutes to record can i finish this last boss before it's time to record and i'm proud to say i did it hell yeah sped run killed the boss got the stuff got out and i was on time i love that congratulations thank you thank you i i feel great about it it's a real uh, redemption arc from when i tried to speed run with my brother at the beginning of the game and it went all to shit. Completely. Oh, I didn't know you you you've tried like an actual speed run. Eh, I mean, I mean, put that in like quotation marks within scare quotes within other quotation marks. But yeah, we we are gonna get started playing. And I said I just suggested because you can't co op right from the get go. Oh, you have to face your first boss and then you can start co oping. So I was like, just for fun, let's you know both try to get there as fast as possible and beat the first boss. And Matt, who had not played in like a year, did it pretty easily and i who had been playing uh struggled and Oof. struggled oh man so, it was a real feels bad yeah it really is so this felt good this good. felt good to be like i have 10 minutes i gotta beat this boss bing bing boom got it it's nice to know that like months and years can pass between uh bad experiences and redemption arcs because there are some there have been some moments like i i'm thinking about the Marty Lagarius redemption arc that I'm going to have it could be in 2025, 2026, but it's going to come and it's going to be sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you, that, that is coming. You, you will be able to get that and experience that pleasure today. We are in a pivotal moment, maybe the pivotal moment of the entire game. We are talking about Bergenworth today and as is our new standard, we will do explore lore and put them on the floor. Hell yeah. 
So let's start with Explore. Um, we're skipping over a little bit of stuff here because you had been exploring the Forbidden Woods. You had your bad experience losing 100,000 plus Blood Echoes at a time where that was big money mm-hmm. back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually we got through it faced a minor boss and then you're running through the woods from your most recently lit lantern and boom you hear the the sound when you enter a new area and the text on the screen says bergenworth so my first question for you is what was your emotional response when you see that text pop up on the screen i was i like freaked out i was like so excited that a place that had been talked about and teased in the lore as a very important place, perhaps like where all this started, gesturing at Yarnum. So I was pretty psyched. Like I, it felt like, it, like you said, a pivotal moment, and it it really felt that. Yeah, back in the day, you asked me. I think this is like in episode one, maybe. You asked, "Are we ever going to leave Yarnum?" And I said, "I did my signature. Yeah. Don't know." <laughs> but in my head, I was thinking of this exact moment where you are out in the woods, you're far from the city, and you find the old college. And yeah, what a revelation. Just seeing that name pop up, it's like, my God, what's about to happen? Yeah, because you see it, it's mentioned by NPCs, it's mentioned in descriptions of items, it's mentioned on like loading screens. And when you start playing, you get sort of bombarded with you know, words and proper nouns and terms and ideas, and none of them really hold any semantic weight in your head because you just don't know the world well enough. But Bergenworth College is probably one of the first ones for me that I think like Bergenworth and the Healing Church were like the two things that um, were sticking in my mind as like, these are these are important places. So then to find myself there, I also, I have to say, I wasn't sure that I would end up like this would be like a location you could be in as a player. Yeah, definitely. You know, so when that happened, I was like, oh, this is really cool. Yeah, because the thing is, there's plenty of things that are mentioned, like places, people, locations, items mentioned in the lore all over the place that you will never see, that you don't really interact with, which doesn't mean they're not important. But the fact that here is one that has been mentioned a lot and all of a sudden you're there. It's like, oh, my God. Now, let me ask you this. As a fellow person who loves names, what do you think of the name Bergenworth? I like it. I, I It has a nice rhythm to it. Um, it has like almost like a meter that I, that I like. And I also like the combination. Like Bergen sounds like sort of German and Worth sounds sort of English or something like that. And um, that's just – that's a fun combo. It it feels like it belongs in the world of the game, um, in the same way that like the Healing Church does, or Alfred, or Henriette. Um, and I I guess I'm saying that specifically because I'm at a point in the game where I've encountered things that, like I said to you, I can't remember either last night or this morning. I said like we're really like getting into new genres because <laughs> there are some. There are some things that feel to me like a little bit more on the science fiction or alien end of Eldritch Horror. And I think that for many people that feels like a continue that just feels like, yeah, this, this is the world and it makes sense. For me, I think that I'm so into the like gothic stuff and the the classic gothic horror stuff that those things feel there's like almost like a disharmony. So in your mind, there's like a very clear line between these two halves of the horror elements here. You've got the gothic stuff and you've got the cosmic stuff and they interact, but there's also a very clear delineation between them. Yeah, I guess that it's, I think that maybe in my own like media consumption, this is the first time that I've encountered a single text where you have skeletons and cathedrals and castles and also um celestial emissaries do you know what i mean yeah Um, totally so to me it feels like an unexpected genre mashup and bergenworth specifically feels very 
in the milieu of at least the the early part of the game before things start to get a little bit more cosmic. That's interesting because I, I agree. And it's definitely trying to trigger all those same like like Bergenworth to me, like as a place of learning, it's such a perfect name. It sounds so like prim and proper. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like this is where you would go to college. But the enemies you face in this area don't exactly fit that. In fact, they veer much more strongly into the cosmic mm-hmm. alien stuff. The first enemy you see is a fly spider man, uh, which are called the Garden of Eyes. Um, but just in general, I mean, th- what do you think of the enemies that are roaming about the college here? This is also, I think, the f- the first area in quite a while where I was getting consistently fucked up. <laughs> like, it was just getting killed and going back, yeah. you know? Um and so I remember, I, I remember feeling like, damn, okay, these things are are strong and resilient and swarm and have new abilities that I haven't seen before. Um, it's, I'm, you know, the there's like this mind flare type of thing, which is called the, the brain sucker. And this is where you first encounter, isn't it? Where you first encounter? Um, you you do see one or two earlier, okay. actually, in uh, Cathedral Ward, but they don't have their full suite of abilities yet. They oh. don't use either of their main abilities on you. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So to me, this was like a brand new thing. Yes. And there it's, I mean, it's, it's a very cool development for a number of reasons. One, like same kind of thing. Like when you get out of, um, you get into only old Yarnum and you discover that the enemies can like poison you, you know, you, you're in this area with the brain suckers, you're discovering, oh, this is like a new thing they can do and they can really fuck you up. They cast a spell that puts you into this like prison and then they have this really long animation where they suck your brain out. I'm shaking my head and rolling my eyes yeah, right now. Yeah, Kenny's so mad. <laughs> um, and they drain your health, they drain your insight. And I think like the worst part is the animation is so long that it really rubs it the hell in. And then as soon as they're done doing that, you have like a split second to get in an attack or a dodge, maybe a heal if you're lucky before they start it all over again. Um, so those dudes and the the flies with all the eyes, which mm-hmm. I now know are called Garden of Eyes, um, were, were really fucking me up. Um, and yeah, I guess like, I guess they, this is like, a bunch of much more of the kind of gross horror, like more cosmic-y type of things. Um, and I guess that I think I think that there's probably something about the world that I could be able to draw conclusions about by the fact that those things are in this setting, but I, I don't have those conclusions drawn. I think that is a correct insight from you that there, there are conclusions to be drawn here, but the full picture is not available to us. Yeah, totally. But yeah, the wildly different enemies, including the, uh, I just looked up their name, the fluorescent flowers, Mm -hmm. the big centipede monsters that shoot cosmic fireballs and have like vertical mouth and are just awful. Like just that brutal. Yeah, these guys don't don't fit into the world of enemies that we've seen so far in the game. Mm-hmm. So something very different is happening happening in this area. Um, the only other enemy that you face here is an NPC hunter, which I don't th- I don't know if you have much to say about because you kind of just handed them their lunch. Yes, it was very. Uh satisfying i love there's nothing more satisfying than killing the npc hunters i I don't know why that is but it's just like it it remains a fact for me i think you're 100 percent right i mean part of it is that it feels like a fair fight you know every other enemy you face has is playing on kind of a different rule set Mm -hmm. but the npc hunters that you face can do the same things that you do up to and including healing using all your same items like so you really feel like you've accomplished something every time you beat an NPC hunter. Totally. There's also something that's like they all have swagger, you know? Um mm-hmm. some more than others as we know the the crow the crow of Cain, the bloody crow of Canehurst has the most swagger of all, but nonetheless, um yeah, so this one uses the threaded cane, right? Which is a really really cool looking weapon. So that's that's really cool. I don't know if I had seen it before this 
Possibly. I don't know the order we played because the the hunter in Yosefka's clinic also uses the Oh, that's right. Cane. Maybe I did maybe I did see it in that. But anyway, yeah, that was fun. Um goodbye, RIP NPC Hunter. Easy. No easy problem. Easy. No problem. This is a hunter I have struggled with mightily in the past. So when you just rolled up in there and beat them in one go, I was like, okay. This is how we're doing things in Sally's world. It is. It is. We're, we're going, we're going to go hard and go home. And sometimes that results in me getting like some awesome kills. And then a lot of times it ends up with me dying and getting set back to the hunter's dream over and over and over again. Sure, sure, sure. That's the price you pay. Yeah. Um, other things to explore here. Um, after you clear out that hunter, it's kind of clear sailing to explore the rest of the college. It's not a big area, honestly. Um, you find the student uniform. Which I was really into. Yeah. And I took a note of how it's described here. Uh, the notes are, Uniform of the Students of Bergenworth, a bygone institute of learning. The healing church has its roots in Bergenworth and naturally borrows heavily from its uniform design. The focus, not on knowledge or thought, but on pure pretension, would surely bring Master Willem to despair, if only he knew. Master Willem keeps showing up as someone who got discarded by like the newfangled hunters. Like he, you know, they abandoned his ways and I don't think they should have considering the state that we find things in now. Yeah, that's true. And also we keep learning that master Willem disapproved of whatever this new, this new wave of investigation research, whatever it is. So we, we walk around a little bit and then very shortly thereafter, you get to meet face to face with Master Willem. You open a door and you find him in his signature rocking chair. Mm-hmm. He does not have much to say. When you talk to him, yes, he just points. <laughs> He's out on this great balcony overlooking a beautiful lake illuminated by the full moon. And he just says, <laughs> That was such a good Master Willem impression. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, he does that and then he he kind of points and it took me a second to figure out. I like I went behind him. I got I got I like interacted with him then went behind him to see where he was pointing and I was like, I think he's telling me to get in the drink. Yeah. Jump off there. And I think at this point you were not playing online because if you had been online, probably there would have been a bunch of notes saying step forward right. or something okay. to that effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was just you figuring out by yourself. But you did and you were like, I think I need to jump off here. And I was like, Go for it. (laughs) And jump off I did. Yeah, and you plunge down into the lake. Everything goes white, and you wind up on this weird dreamlike surface of a very shallow lake, and everything is white and shimmering, and there's a creature hanging out there. How would you describe this creature? Like a big blob? Mm -hmm. Like, God, he's awful. A lot, they really managed to like, give a lot of things a lot of eyes and in different ways. It's the same thing with like the palette of screams. It's like they managed to make all screams sound really different. Like I just didn't know there were that many screams in the same way that I didn't know you could have you could have a bunch of eyes many, in yeah, a bunch of different ways. A hundred percent. So yeah, he's a big blob um with like a, a bunch of eyes, a bunch of legs. Um and he there are a ton, a ton, a ton of these little spiders that surround him and sort of form a barrier between you and him yeah so this is rom the vacuous spider Mm -hmm. cool name very cool let's get into some put him on the floor action okay this is a i would say and i'll see if you agree with me a very unique boss fight Mm -hmm. in the range of boss fights in bloodborne yeah i think i think i do think it's unique and and for a couple, maybe of that's a reasons. nice way to say it. No, no, I, I, but I actually think that it is also training you to fight other bosses because this is a boss where you have to get to the side, both to access him and because of the spiders, and to strike him where you can do damage. So the the big like bulbous larva like belly that can you can do damage to if you hit it in the head which is often the the vulnerable point on these bosses. It does like nothing right. to this guy. Right. But you have to really get to the side. And I found that 
I've now faced a bunch of different, since then, a bunch of different enemies where you have to get to the side or you have to get behind them. I mean, I guess you don't have to. I guess there are many different ways to beat these guys, but I guess that it in this boss fight, you're learning something that is going to come in really handy from now on, which was really cool. Um, and And I also think, well, I guess, what are the ways that you think it's unique? I mean, the arena is weird, mm-hmm. definitely. Just like an infinite flat void, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, I think, let me let me go back in time here. I think this is the first boss fight that has pets associated with it. Like it has other enemies that you have to manage and deal with That's as true, you're yeah. fighting them. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the first time it's not like the first ranged attacker that you can face in the game because obviously there's hunters there's uh master or not master martyr legarius that we faced obviously mm-hmm. but this one is like summoning meteors and oh right yeah mm-hmm. doing like a whole new suite of magical abilities so there's a lot of new unique things going on with this particular boss and she like rom like um teleports away a lot mm-hmm. after you got a couple good hits in where there were a couple times where I was like wait where did Rom go and I was like turning around um, there's definitely like a pretty impressive suite of abilities and things yeah. to deal with very annoying fight because very annoying. you knock it down you get it low and then it's like the big thing to me in this fight is how do you want to challenge it do you want to approach it by taking out the little spiderlings first clearing the way and then going in or do you ignore them and then just try to get your hits in where you can mm-hmm. do you remember what strategy you wound up going with here for i think for a hot second i was gonna try to get rid of the spiders but then i sort of had the impression i was like are these just gonna like infinitely respawn maybe this isn't the move and so then i was like fuck these spiders and i just kind of tried to bypass them because also the other thing is i think i was at a point of kind of like hardiness that like the spiders, when they attacked, they didn't do so much damage that it was like prohibitive to be attacked by them. It's annoying because they interrupt your attacks and they can throw you off your rhythm. But um, I was like, let me just kind of like plow through and get to the, like, so I can land some hits. Which you did. It, it took some rounds. I think you you summoned in some NPCs to help you a few times and eventually you were like, meh, who needs them? Yeah, I think this might have been one where you were pointing out that this might be one where it's not really worth it because of what the NPC contributes uh, versus how much ROM is, how hardy ROM is because you have an NPC there. And this was definitely, I feel like every single boss fight is so different, which is like a really cool part of the game. Like nothing feels samey. But in particular with this one, This was one that I feel like I figured out what I needed to do within probably like three attempts. And then it took me maybe like five or six more to like actually do it. And I didn't have any doubt I was going to be able to do it. It always felt within my reach, but it it was like, it took me a while. It was hard. Yeah. This is something we talked about today, just the sense that you get after facing a boss a few times. It's like, is this within my power? I already know I can see the path to victory. Or you do it and you're like, how am I ever going to beat this boss? It becomes apparent very, very quickly. Totally. And so far, I'll just keep coming back to Marty Ligarius. He's the He's the only one so far where I've been like, I don't know that I could have done that. I I believe intellectually that I could have because it it doesn't seem possible that I wouldn't be able to, but it I don't feel it in my heart. You know what I mean? <laughs> How many more attempts would it have taken? Like I wish that you could like go this is one of those games where once you finish you could go back and like replay any chapter. Um because one of the things that I think was in the back of my mind as I was doing that is like, man, I don't want to spend a million years like farming blood vials just to, because I was like, I'm going to spend like 500 blood vials <laughs> beating him. So like, I don't know. I think, I think probably, I don't feel like I was that close to doing it. You, you said at one point you were like, I think you could do this this weekend if you wanted to. I mean, definitely. You got him down to like 25%. Like, 
Yeah. That's that shows it was within your power. It was within my powers, yeah. I think I think I had another good but you know what it is, like sometimes you get to a place with the boss where you really lock in and you're like, Okay, I just I need a couple more runs where I make really good decisions. I don't I, I, you know, I don't get greedy. Like I just, and things fall into place and then I know I'm going to do it. Um, because you, you get to a place with certain bosses where, you know, you first, it's like you master reliably getting them through their first phase and then you master reliably getting into their second phase or whatever. And so at a certain point you're like, okay, like I'm two or three runs from just doing this. It's just a matter of like things going right for me and making good decisions. I don't think I got to that place in my head with Marty. Got it. Got it. So that was like in the future was when you would have approached and been like, I, okay, I understand what <laughs> yes, needs to be done here. A hundred percent. I feel very vindicated because in uh, the confessional I did for Marty Ligarius, I said, I feel confident that I have my own bosses that I face where that's the benchmark I use to measure all other bosses by. And I was like, I think for Sally, Marty Ligarius is going to be the benchmark. And so far, You've already brought him up multiple times to be like, yeah, not as hard as Marty Ligarius. You yeah, know? yeah, no, you totally nailed it. He's like, he like haunts me. I think about him all the time. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, God damn, Marty. But Rom, not as difficult. Rom, not as difficult. Yeah, I like, I just feel like, you know, d- definitely some like some intense stuff. He has like the AOE attack. He teleports. He has this the little spideys. But um, once I kind of figured out what needed to be done, it was just a matter of like executing. And then you do defeat Rom. It's like, hell yeah. I, I remember at this point when I played, I was like, now what? I'm just at the bottom of this weird dream lake. What's going to happen? Uh, and then suddenly, as you're walking around, you see a tall, gaunt, ghastly woman mm-hmm. in a long white dress, uh, her arms clasped together, looking up at the sky, crying. And you hear a baby crying as well. And you get a cutscene where you turn and you look where she is looking and you see the hugest blood red moon sinking down from the sky. And it's almost like it's crushing you because your character like falls under its weight. Mm-hmm. It fades to black and you get the loud sounds of a baby crying and then you wake up. So I wanted to ask you at this point, Bergenworth, Master Willem, jump in the lake. You're in some weird lake dimension you beat this spider boss here's this woman the moon baby crying have you put any of this into any kind of cohesive picture or is it just purely like baffling it's i would say it's purely baffling i think this is the point at which i i went from feeling like ooh, like i'm getting hints of things and i have ideas about how they may fit together to like whoa okay hold on like when i like i had a pizza with like mushrooms and onions and like peppers and now there's like they're adding like pepperoni and pineapple and a scoop of ice cream and a ham sandwich like i was like you know what the hell like there's so much there's so much stuff going on and it's a lot of it feels so um dissonant with all the other things um and i think i'm starting to understand a little bit more what people mean when they talk about like though that like this is a game where it's like do you ever actually know what the hell's going on i think i'm past the point of being able to make guesses because there there is this thing with like the baby and uh, the crying baby and then i i don't know dude like i i'm like it's it's all like um it's like a mcflurry in my brain well i guess yeah that that leads me to my next question because i think one of the big things i want to talk about in the show as a whole and something i've been thinking about too is mm-hmm. when is it okay for a piece of media to take the stance the point is that you don't know all the answers because mm-hmm. i like i some of my favorite media does that mm-hmm. and some of my least favorite media does that yeah so i'm curious where you're gonna land but at this point like with all these you say dissonant elements is it unpleasant the the perplexity that how it baffles you or how it's like it's like I agree because at this point, I feel like the game is just saying like, you don't get any of this, do you? Mm-hmm. But is it when you get to this point, are you are you mad at the game? No, no, that's a that's a good question, because I feel like I am predisposed to feeling mad at games like, you know, if if things are, are done in a way that 
I feel like things are being purposefully obfuscated in a non-rewarding way, I can get pissed off. I'm still completely like I I'm like I as you know, I'm being compl- I'm like a little kid who's like sitting on their hands because they're so excited because I want to finish this game so I can read all the stuff. And I've said to you now a few times that as much as I want to finish the game so I can read all the stuff, I'm like, I don't want to not enjoy going through the game because it's really fun. So it is definitely still remaining really fun. I think that like it, especially because I'm, I'm much further than the part of the game we're talking about now in my playthrough. Spoilers. Um, spoilers. Hey, sorry. (laughs) Should I not do that? Should I not break (laughs) the fourth wall? No. Um, The fourth wall is shattered. Yeah. There's no fourth wall. We rolled through it, but um, (laughs) it's like, I'm now at a point where there's so much going on, like with that pizza, like they put like a, a, like a telephone on it and like a, a wagon and a, a stack of library books. You know what I mean? Like there's non-food items. Yeah. Just like a lot of things that like don't make sense on pizza. So I'm just like, man, what, what is going on? And like, what am I going to think of this pizza at the end of it? I'm pretty like, I'm pretty committed to this pizza analogy, by the way. I, I think yeah, this is gonna be. I'm already imagining the image for the the promo that we're gonna do for this episode. Ooh, that's gonna be a fun one. When when you were like when when I was playing through this section, I don't think I started really pestering you about lore stuff until like later. Yeah, I think at this point you were just excited. Yeah, because right after this, like you get all that, and it's like whoa. What is happening? Yeah. And then you respawn in somewhere. Because mm-hmm. at this point, you don't know where you are. And you get the message, uh, ritual secret broken. Seek the nightmare newborn. Which it's like, what? Yeah, exactly. And then you descend and you arrive at Yahargul Unseen Village. And shit is fucked up down here. Shit is so fucked up. Th- this was a very cool moment in the game, too. Because... The moon, because you've heard all this stuff about the pale blood moon and all this stuff. And so when you see that like red moon and it kind of lowers down, you're like, what's happening? Like, you know, it's a big deal. And then you end up in this village, which I thought was like, I thought it was Yarnum, but like a weird Yarnum because it looked similar, except everything was a lot more red and they, and the dudes were like shedding a lot more blood, which I, you later explained to me like what was happening. But initially I was like, whoa, I'm in this, like, I'm in like an alternate Yarnum. And I was sort of like losing it. There's like a huge spider. I was just like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. I mean, I think regardless of what the truth is here, the game very intentionally is trying to disorient you. And be like, because you have just teleported here. And unless you have a very, like, you've played the game and you know how everything connects, you're like, where am I? Does this connect with the world? Is this a different place? I've been in lots of different parallel dimensions. Is this another one? And it's only later that you discover, oh, I'm just in the regular world right now. But yeah, you're, you're running about. Uh, there's, you call them spiders, <laughs> these, these giant creatures that mm-hmm. are clinging to the buildings ready to scoop you up uh blood creatures um amalgam creatures like made of bunches oh, of yeah. corpses yeah. fused together like it ain't right it ain't the right the town ain't right the town ain't right and like the there are the guys in this world that look like the guys in central yarnum when you're first there they have like pitchforks and top hats and rifles and stuff like that but they hit a lot harder and they're a lot hardier so i definitely was like oh i this is fine and i was like ooh no and they like fucked me up real good and you not have fine. not fine and you have the the lady who's ringing the bell that is causing them to keep spawning which i think is just it's just so annoying but it's so cool that's another kind of brand new thing in the game and becomes important. There's a later boss fight where there's these ladies with a bell, like chiming, chiming this chime. So it's, um, it's a, it's a really cool area. I was definitely really, I was like freaking out. I remember. And I was like, I don't want to stop playing, but I had to, I, I don't, I don't, it is another place where I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, Definitely. I remember what I was going to say oh, yeah. a little bit ago. It was about your pizza analogy. Oh, yeah. All these disparate elements, disparate toppings, if you if will. If you will, yeah. 
I think, and let me see if this matches your own intuition. One thing that makes it so that it's not frustrating is that thematically everything fits or there are thematic through lines tying everything together. Because since the beginning of the game, we have, we've seen like baby carriages all over Yarnum. The bell thing, like now all of a sudden there are these bell ringing women mm-hmm. ringing sinister bells. Um, but we've like we've had bells from the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, they're attached to the church the giants. Church, yeah. We have our own that we can ring to summon each other in. Mm-hmm. So it's like there are all these different pieces, but because we've seen them running through the entire game, to me it makes it like, okay, I'm willing to believe there's something to this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, this is the kind of thing where this makes sense to someone. Like the people who put this together, there's a cosmology and an internal logic and stuff like that. It doesn't feel um haphazard. It doesn't feel haphazard, it doesn't feel thrown together. It doesn't feel like someone was like, what if we now like there was a thing that just like was made of eyes? Let's throw that in. Um so it doesn't it, I think that like if someone described Bloodborne to me, I might say like, oh, that sounds really unpleasant. Like it's it's hard and the lore doesn't make sense and there's a lot of it. It's a pizza with like a ton of toppings. But it actually really, for me anyway, it it does work. It doesn't feel alienating. It, it feels like a world that was constructed with a lot of care. Um, but it's a really dense world. It's a really complex world. And, you know, I think – there's probably many dissertations that have been written on the idea that like you're not necessarily supposed to have everything explained to you for something to work. Like that's not necessarily – like I'm, the, one thing – one of the reasons like that this is on my mind is because I w- just recorded an episode for my podcast. Oh, I like that about the movie Tar. And Go on. I, and uh, my friend – and I talked about it for like two hours. And one of the things that we were talking about a lot is that I, – so I really love the movie. Um, my co-host for the episode I think also likes it. I think is not as like utterly fixated on it as I am. But um, one of the things we talked about a lot is that you really don't know a lot of what is happening and why. Like there's a lot of stuff going on. You don't know. Sometimes you're like, is this really happening? Is this some? Is this a dream? Is this a hallucination? Why is this happening? What happened between these people? And it's like you, you aren't – it feels to me like you aren't meant to know for sure and that's part of it. And it doesn't – I think that there are some people who might interact with that and be like, it's really annoying. Like just tell me what actually happened so I can kind of figure out how I feel about it. But – and I maybe this kind of goes back to your question earlier, Kenny, about like can something be – have a lot of unanswered questions and leave things open to interpretation and still be like fun and good. And I think for me, like the answer is yes. Uh, although I'm, I, I'm, I've definitely gotten annoyed at things that where things feel impossible to understand and there's no, there's no way in, but that doesn't feel, Bloodborne doesn't feel like that to me. Yeah. I think there like a few key distinctions one is i mean it's definitely possible like i i can point to media where at the end of the day you don't know the answers it's not going to give you the answers and i'm like oh man that was great i love that and there are other media where they're like the whole point is that you don't know the answers and i'm like fuck you yeah totally totally so i i think there's a lot to discuss maybe this is a future episode my hunch is okay can i give you my theory so far yes and maybe we can revisit them in the future yeah yeah so one is that just because you're not meant to know all the answers doesn't mean you as a writer or creator are excused from doing setups and payoffs. So you do still need to have like, oh, that was set up earlier and now I understand a little bit more. Totally. And I think Bloodborne does a good job consistently of like, oh, that's what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if you don't ultimately know what is it, you know. Um, so for example, now that we've, you know, unlocked the world and ROM has been defeated we now know that those blue cosmic orbs that were roaming around it would like pull you into the air and frenzy you you're like what is happening those are those giant monsters that Mm -hmm. we couldn't see before picking you up now what are the monsters where do they come from we don't know but it's like oh that's what that is yeah i agree and it's also 
that reveal is done in a really cool way where you get to experience it again, seeing everything that's happening. Um, mm-hmm. It's not just like you find out what it was. You actually experience it again. And that's really cool. That's one of my theories. Love that theory. Um, the other theory I have, let's see if I can actually articulate it in a useful way. You need to know when you're writing the story, does the answer to a particular question matter? So mm. if I can give an example from another mm. of my favorite movies that that does this thing mm-hmm. where you don't know all the answers, 2001 A Space Odyssey, what is the monolith? What's the nature of the monolith? I haven't seen it, so I, I don't know, but... I mean, but this, you're saying uh, it's like a rhetorical question. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, so it's this thing. It's like, is this an alien construction? Is it an alien? Is it alive? Is it sent? Like, what is this thing? Where does it come from? None of those answers will ultimately matter. All that matters is what is this thing doing in the mm. story? Mm-hmm. Um, so th- that's, I think, very difficult as a writer to decide, okay, this is an answer that, or this is a question rather that needs to have an answer. Yeah. Whereas this is a question where, Regardless of what the answer is, it almost doesn't matter. So I'm allowed to leave that vague and open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are two things that in our work together, Kenny, which people may not know, we are working. Can we? Yeah, it's not a secret. We're no, we're you're writing it. a book, and I'm editing it. Um, mm-hmm. called Monstrous for Cloud Curio, and I think like this kind of question is something that we think about and talk about a lot, which is like what are we putting out there as kind of like drivers of the logic of the world? And what are we putting out there that are hints about how things work, but you can sort of make up for yourself what those things mean. And it's like you said, it's really hard when you're the creator. And then I think that like when you're the consumer of the thing, like you're reading the book or playing the video game or watching the movie – there's something almost like it's like an ineffable quality where it it just has to hang together in your mind in a way. Yeah, I think there needs to be enough structure there for you to build something off of and be like, aha, yeah. I can see the hints of what this is. And now I can create my own idea and it hangs together. Mm-hmm. The trick is, I think when it falls apart is when you as the the consumer of whatever the piece of media is can see behind the curtain enough to know, oh, there's nothing here. Mm-hmm. It's just nonsense thrown against the wall. And I'm doing all the lifting here. I don't get a sense that there's anything meaningful behind it, regardless of whether I can actually parse it or not. Totally. I know that it, I can, I can just, I just, all I see is a writer's room with people saying, what if we did this? What if we threw a telephone book and a wagon on top of this pizza? Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if we just did this? Yeah, totally. And I think that maybe like there have been times in the game where I'm like, man, is this a pizza with a telephone book on top of it? Or, but but I think like what's happening, what it really is, is like, I thought it was a pizza in the beginning, but really maybe it's like a calzone, you know, which is like much bigger and has much more room for more things. Like I, I think that part of part of things feeling like what's going on, there's too much going on, these things don't make sense together is what your preconceived notion is about what the world is going to be. And I think that I thought it was going to be a certain thing and now it's revealing itself to be something else. And so it's like, am I along for that ride? And for me, I am. I'm along for the ride. I think that's really cool that here we are eight years after Bloodborne came out and, you know, you through osmosis have picked up various things about it and you're still getting that experience. Cause I had that experience super, super hard the first time I played where I was like, uh, it's the new from soft game. And they decided to do a like werewolf hunting game. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll try it out. Yeah. And then it's, that's not what the game is really. I mean, that does happen in the game, but that's not what the game is. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Um, I'm loving it. I mean, that should be a tagline for something. Some huh. company should <laughs> use you're, that. You're on to something right now. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and talk about the one reborn here. Uh, oh, as long yeah. as we're talking about uh, Yahar Ghoul. Yeah. So uh, the, you don't love gross things. I don't. In general. Mm-hmm. Yahar Ghoul is a gross place. And the one reborn is vile. Vile. Gross. Terrible. So let's talk about the cutscene. You said you just rewatched it. So Yeah. Uh, impressions thoughts hold on i'm actually gonna pull it up again 
Right. This is the thing comes out of the moon. The moon starts dripping all these disgusting things. Very gross. Yeah. Gross. Terrible. Um, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't like gross things. Um, so you, you, there's a moon and it starts kind of like dripping like gross sludgy stuff. Um, and then <clears throat> it ends up being this monster that's made up of a bunch of looks like smushed together um, pieces of other things. Um, and it's unpleasant. It's, there's something, there's something going on with the, the moon. Um, because this is also when you, isn't this also when you learn that like when the pale blood moon is in the sky, the, the line between man and beast is like thinner or something like that. Yeah. So in Bergenworth, I'm glad you brought this up in Bergenworth, there are a couple of notes and one says Mm. when the red moon hangs low, the line between man and beast is blurred. And when the great ones descend, a womb will be blessed with child. Oh, right. And then we beat Rom and we see very clearly the red moon descends, crushing us. And then we come back into the world. Red moon is there. And then, yeah, this cutscene happens and it gets blotted out by darkness. And the one reborn oozes out of it, like almost birthed out of it. Right, 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 right. Okay, yeah. And it's like, and it's like a pile of like decaying, like bodies kind of yeah like oh and is this the one with the the bell ringing yes women right so that there are women on either side of the arena ringing bells that are we did this one together and you explained it to me they're are they causing they're spawning other monsters so they're doing a number of things they can cast spells at you they Mm. cast like i think they enhance the one reborn's abilities as well oh shit okay so yeah they're they're just a a real annoyance up on the balconies. So you go up there and you take care of business. You take them out. Yeah, it was gross. I I didn't like it. I I, I don't know what else to say. We did we did not uh, spend a lot of time tearing about in this area. We just took care That's of business true. and moved along. Yeah, we kept it moving. This was like a one and done type thing. Yeah, I do think it's interesting because there are certain bosses in the game where it's like, huh, that's an optional boss. That feels weird. Like Martin oh, is Ligarius. this a national boss? No. So like Martin oh, okay. Ligarius feels so like weighty. Like he feels so intense. You know what I mean? Or the cleric beast. Yeah. It's like the first boss you are likely to encounter. Both optional bosses. The one reborn pile of goo corpses must do to complete the game. Hmm. Wait. Are you, Martin Ligarius isn't required? Totally. That whole area. Kanehurst is entirely optional. You definitely told me that, and I like didn't actually integrate that knowledge. That I can try. I have to think about whether it makes me more mad or less mad. But okay, I think you should be happy about that because the fact that it's optional and that it's difficult makes sense, right? It's That's like, true. It's like here's a thing that you can do if you want to to experience some more of the game. They're going to make that harder. And when I replay this, I can just skip it entirely if you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, I feel happy about it. Good. Yeah, so so but I don't but for example, like the one reborn, I don't know what that refers to. The name? Yeah. That's a good question. I I will say I don't know that we have all the pieces in front of us. Eh, I mean, we're getting pretty close to where you and I Yeah. in our playthrough that we have not done yet, hypothetically, if you were going to continue playing the game and we did. We don't know we've if played almost happened. to the oh, end yeah, already. Yeah then we kind of do have all the pieces that we would need. But to me, this is like, I remember f- running into this boss and you go into this arena and the women ring the bells and you see the moon and this blackness forms and like you see the cosmos behind it and this creature emerges and it's called the one reborn. And I was like, this feels so important. Mm-hmm. And then oh, you I beat it yeah. and then you're like, I don't know what any of this is. Like, I, I don't really care. And no item refers to it. Like there are other bosses that we'll talk about. Uh, we have talked about where it's like you beat them. Like even Marta Ligarius, we've heard of him. Yeah. Alfred's always going on about him. So when we fight him, it's like, ah, cool. Got it. And this is like. This is a phone book on the pizza moment, I think. And and also I will say too that there are some other, I think other bosses have been more memorable for me personally. And I mean, part of it is that like we sped through this. I, it was a one and done. And there are other bosses where they're more memorable because I it took me 15 tries to beat them or something. But like uh, I won't 
no spoilies, but in the last couple days, I've faced a couple bosses that where I was just like the head exploding emoji guy. I was just like, what? Yeah, like, totally. And, you know, they they were kind of they they fit in. I I had a sense of like where they why they fit into the lore where they did. Well, even to take an example, we've already talked about like Vicar Amelia. Like mm-hmm. you only faced her three times, maybe. And she sticks out in the memory and it's Definitely. like, okay, I understand she is the vicar of the healing church who is transformed into a beast by this plague. It's like, okay, got it. I understand how all that fits together roughly. Totally. And this one is really a question mark so far. Agree. But I think that, that this is one of the central mysteries of the game. But to reassure you, mm-hmm. at least in my heart, and I mm-hmm. am not a mystery box fan, I do think that there are satisfying answers to this puzzle. I'm so excited to hear that because I am a puzzle box fan, but I I do, in this case, I want some satisfying answers and I'm excited to get them. Give me uh, my answers. Man. Okay. We're going to have to have a puzzle box, mystery box discussion. We definitely In the future. Because yeah, sure. it sounds like we both have opinions. Oh, yeah. All right. But for now, Sally, I'm nervous what the answer might be. Yeah, I know. I, we both are. Could be awkward for everyone. Do you want to keep playing Bloodborne? I thought about it long and hard. And I want to keep playing Bloodborne. Oh, yes. Just, just by the skin of our teeth there. Thank God. Yeah, everybody at home just clutching their pearls. Mm-hmm. Exhaling in unison. <laughs> Anything left over in your remaining questions? I like the end of the show where if you want to, you can try me and ask a real big lore question or two to see if I will cough up some answers. That is exciting. Um... I feel like all I have are lore questions. Um, Are we going to learn more about Master Willem? Hmm. Let me think for a second. Yes. Oh, that's cool. Okay. I'm really into – I don't know if you've, like, noticed this, although I've said it a few times, so maybe I'm just repeating myself. I'm so much more into the, like – the human things like, you know, when we're, we're working on this book of monsters and I'm like, I like the human monsters. I'm not really into monsters. I'm like so much more interested in like the NPC hunters and Lawrence and Willem and stuff like that. Now, of course, these people maybe have all turned into monsters. So maybe there's no distinction to be made. But those I want to know, I want the human interest stories of Yarnum. Well, I, I fully agree. And it, in my opinion, I mean, these stories, again, going back to monstrous, where we're thinking about monsters like cosmic eldritch monsters. The whole thing is like they're unknowable. And it's like, I think that's fun and cool. But at the end of the day, how do you write about that? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm going to play a game or watch a movie, it's like you can't just be like, you can't see it or understand it. So I don't have to say anything about it. And I think the way that you relate to it is. How do the human characters in the story interact with it and how yeah. are they changed by it? What are they are what are they trying to get from it? That's the interesting part. And that's actually the lens that you see the monster through and the monster interacts with you through. That's so smart. That's so, so, so smart. Yeah. Totally. So I think you're I, I agree with you completely that the human characters and the human stories in this game are where it is at. And there is much satisfaction to be had from those stories, let me tell you. I cannot wait. I can't wait. 